Hello and welcome to White Zeppelin Noise Podcast. This is a special edition, Moment of Truth, with Max Shami. Um, we're going to talk about your project, Kufar, and give you a chance to educate us on the historical, personal context of the project and set the record straight on some things. So, welcome, Mac. Oh, hey, glad to be back, Oscar. Pleasure, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, man. Always good to see you. Always, yeah, man. Yeah. You too. So, um, so Kufar, um, it's your power electronics project. It's been active for, you know, it was one of your first projects, uh, dealing with your Lebanese heritage and history of Lebanon. I'm very ignorant to the topic as I assume and know, uh, the majority of people watching this are so um let us so so yeah so tell tell me what you got and uh, break down the project absolutely i think i think most importantly i think i need to start um probably with my family's history mm -hmm. and set that record straight because um sadly the narrative of this project and often at times too the narrative of my life seems to get hijacked by um, by people, particularly in the West Western Hemisphere, um, but so we'll start with. I can go back as far as my great grandfather Wadia, who, mm -hmm. and just to I guess give a point of reference. Right now, where my great where I'm speaking about my great grandfather, I'm gonna grab his picture here in a second. He lived in the Ottoman Empire time, so this is even before there was a proper Syria, a proper Lebanon. These names existed, but it didn't count on a map. Like mm -hmm. you could find some of those old school world globes and it just says Ottoman Empire, grimy. Right. Anywho yeah. though, I don't know. Hopefully the reflection isn't so bad, but ah, there, yeah, yeah. there he is. Cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's from around yeah. the 30s. Wow. And That's your basically, great -grandfather? yeah, my great grandfather on my father's side, his name's Wadia. Mm -hmm. And this man <clears throat> is a huge reason of why I'm, I'm even here. Um, when he was very young, during the fall of the Ottoman Empire, Turkish soldiers showed up and they killed his parents. And he took, I believe it was two sisters, and the both of them fled from... The southern tip of Lebanon, or at this time, they would they used to call it Greater Syria. Mm -hmm. And he took them and they fled and escaped into more proper Syria, the mm -hmm. Damascus area. Um, and he did this barefoot and they were eating bugs the whole way to survive, avoiding the soldiers. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, the time the Ottoman Empire was falling and oftentimes when empires fall, especially people in the military tend to take advantage of situations and do brutal, awful, awful, horrible things. So he did that. I mean, he sacrificed. I mean, I shouldn't even say sacrifice. There was no such thing as like going to proper school or anything like right. that. Um, he was illiterate. He yeah. couldn't read and couldn't write. Um, and he died as such too. And the man actually died at the age of 93, picking oh. fruit out of a tree. An incredible and resilient man and what i think is so interesting is that even though he died illiterate 
and uh, couldn't read, couldn't write. Um, his son, George, my, my grandfather, George, um, would go on to become um, one of the most well-known uh, authors, poets, and journalists from the Middle East. Um, wow. one, of, one of the most humbling occasions that in my life that happened was actually at um, my wedding where I got to meet uh, part of more of Nicole's family. My wife, is uh, she's Syrian-Lebanese as well. And um, I met this gentleman, this uh, gentleman named Khaldun, and it blew my mind when he told me that he remembers and loved reading my grandfather's work mm. while he was living in the Middle East. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so... You know, I guess I guess to to kind of wrap up the family stuff. You know, my my uh, George was my grandfather, and he would have three kids. My father being the the middle one, and uh, my father eventually would be the one to leave, the only one to leave the country to come to America because he wanted to be a doctor. Um, and uh, he gave he basically gave up uh, having close ties with them my first time visiting Lebanon uh, in 2006, there is a joke that the family has about my dad saying that he's the son that they never knew because mm. he ended up spending more time in America than he actually did in the Middle East. Mm. So, you know, that's just a, I guess this is just a, as good of a best summary of my background. Sure. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to drive home the point that I'm first generation and a lot of people sometimes don't understand exactly what that means. Right. But you know, when you're first gen there, it, I feel like a lot of times, especially in this country, there's this clash that you feel within yourself and not just someone who's mixed like me, but even, you know, someone that's just first generation and born here where you feel like you are just caught between two worlds all the time. Yeah. And yeah. especially, you know, in a place, that more often than not may not be understanding or kind or even care to, right. to grasp who and what you are. Yeah. Um, so I guess from here, we'll talk about what inspired Kufar, mm -hmm. how the project was born. Yeah. And the project was born out of my experiences of being evacuated in 2006. Mm -hmm. Now, for those that don't know what happened in 2006, what happened was Hezbollah decided to attack Israel, or I shouldn't even say that, I should just say Palestine, but <clears throat> that's a whole other topic. But, you know, they, they jumped, they reached across and they killed some and they took some hostage. And I'll never forget my father waking me up in that apartment in Naash and telling me, hey, Mac, you need to come out and you need to watch the TV. And he's like, I can't explain this to you right now. You need to just come and see. And I came out and yeah, they were talking about it. And I'll never forget looking to my father and asking him, or how much deep shit are we in? And he looked at me and he says, we're in deep shit, Mac. We're going to be in deep shit. And fast forward to five hours later, the airport runways have been bombed. Wow. No one can leave. Yeah, they bombed the airport runways. Then five hours, yeah, they did that. And they set up a naval blockade. And thus began waiting for the U.S. Army to come and evacuate American citizens. 
and we had to wait an extra week. And it was finally when my father and I got on the USS Nashville um, and we were sitting out in the Mediterranean Ocean and it was me pacing on the ship because I'm just bored and nothing else to do, you know. This is before all the cool cell phone stuff and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm just pacing and that's when I realized that I wanted to make a project. I wanted to do some kind of of musical offering that reflected my experiences in going through this and going through war and going through um, and getting evacuated. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. And the reason why I picked Kufar and Kufar for those that don't know what it means, that, that do not know what it means, um, Kufar is plural of Kafir and Kafir singular means one who denies God. That's all it means. And plural means those. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of me picking this name is that it's a name and a title that has been thrown around by just about every single various group in Lebanon. It's been used against everyone's been saying it to each other. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the behavior in the country is not of one who actually believes in God or believes in the teachings of Christ. Yeah, no, it's none of that. And so it's a very blanket statement that we're all kind of wrong. We're all kind of sinners. Yeah. Now, you know, now people are going to, of course, jump and say, well, if it's about everything, how come you use only Kitab and Lebanese Armed Forces imagery? And what that goes back to, plain and simple, is the fact that my, my father and the family, my father grew up in Ashrafie. He grew up in Ashrafie, about two blocks away from the Kitab headquarters. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, George, um, was a big Kitab supporter, helped set up press events because if obviously was a journalist, author, you know, I had those connections. There's actually, uh, in my grandfather's memoirs, there's a really, really powerful picture of uh, uh, Pierre Jamail, the founder of the Kitab party, um, doing the traditional greeting in Lebanon. When we greet, we kiss three times, one, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth on the cheeks. There's a great yeah. picture of him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, before I get into talking about the politics itself of those parties and whatnot, um, the way that I've tried to put them in the project is very much say how like Kendrick Lamar talks about gang stuff. Right. Because the fact of the matter is, is that you get born into these things and it's not like you have a choice in it. So what you grow up hearing what you grow up you know seeing around you you know it's not something that it's not something that you can just flat out deny how do you turn your back on on your world you know um and now that's not to say that these people are saints they're fucking like war criminals they've done absolutely horrible things some people some groups have grown and moved past you know, um, you know, the Civil War bullshit. Like, for yeah. example, the Kitab party 
right now, currently, you know, people, when they talk about this project, they always want to discuss its earliest roots and they want to discuss the atrocities that took place, you know, in, uh, in the Civil War. But now, currently, the Kitab Party has actually stepped back from the government because what's going on right now in Lebanon is Hezbollah has hijacked the government because when the civil war ended and every single militia and various group gave up their arms, gave up their weapons, Hezbollah did not. Mm -hmm. They held on to them and this is now the problem of now we have two now there's two armies in the country and how do you control how do you how do you have any sort of control on this right and then you add that in with hezbollah's use of assassination and of course it keeps people quiet and so for as much as people like to say that the Kitab party is fascist this and that i would say that hezbollah is definitely more the fascist group out of all of this because they're not allowing for any sort of democratic process whatsoever the Kitab party always did they never tried to hijack anything they're not like uh see it's kind of funny like the hezbollah and the republicans they got more in common than they think they do <laughs> hijacking shit these days i think that's kind of funny but um and I was going to say too, Oscar and everyone listening, bear with me if I get lost and confused because even no, I myself do because it's very dense. Sure, so, of course. So you know, like as I was saying though, you know, some some groups have evolved, and so now the Kitab Party, in its current state, has actually stepped back from the government to oppose what's going on because they don't agree that Hezbollah can just do as they please. And it's a spit in the face of democracy. And so, you know, that's that's where they're at right now. They're actually trying to stop what some would call the current fascism of Lebanon. And not only that, too, but, uh, you know, and this even surprised me. I want to say that in the last five years or so, the Kitab party made an incredible progressive uh, step forward and actually acknowledging the LGBTQ community in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Now, for most people listening, they probably would think, oh, well, I'm sure that there's some liberal party in Lebanon that's already been about that for years. And the fact is, no. The Middle East is not a liberal place. It's still, it never has been, and it still is slowly becoming one. And who even yep. knows how and when most liberal Arabs are those that actually that don't live in the country right. because of course you have the heavy religious influence so the fact that these that this party has stepped out and back that is absolutely huge it's incredible it's yep. a great step forward for the country um, and just proof in my opinion that people can grow and change yeah. People are not beholden to their past mistakes and that they can uh, rectify these things, yeah. you know, which oftentimes when people want to discuss my work, they don't even think about that because this project is not the same as when it first started, you know? Right. So, sure, of course. So, yeah, um, that's that. 
I guess yeah. I guess from here um, we'll move into probably talking about the Lebanon for Lebanese artwork, mm-hmm. um, which of course is easily the most intense and confrontational piece of art I've ever been a part of associated with um it really really uh it's i think it's powerful because it always elicits a response i never get you never get anyone that just goes oh you usually get uh either you get a fearful response you get a curious response you know or some people more so i would say the industrial and power electronics enthusiasts uh they appreciate it and love it because I, I feel like what I managed to do with that artwork was a modern non-white version of what the gray wolves did with uh, Catholic priest fuck boys yeah. where you're seeing this, these wild fascist symbols, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, there's an Aphrodite on the cover yeah. They're naked. It's not like, you know, they're fully clothed. It's like these people are naked and that and it's just this clash of imagery all at once. Yeah. Right. And that is exactly what I wanted to do and I feel like I accomplished it as such. Right. Um you know, and so the art itself in many ways is supposed to be a power electronics industrial representation of me it's not yeah. a political representation of who i am yeah right. and the reasoning behind the artwork why those two images the guitar party and then you know the, the circle of sevens was to represent the white half obviously the circle of sevens yeah. and then the arab half of me with the kitab logo and the reasoning for the that circle of sevens number one the katab tree fit perfectly in the middle i mean obviously yeah it fits perfectly the three sevens i mean 777 is the number of god so i feel that 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 applies and then not only that too but the artwork in many ways is a representative of how people have seen me on the street. Mm-hmm. So right. in that artwork, you see the circle of sevens extending out more often than not. This is how people approach and treat me. They just see the whiteness first. Mm-hmm. They see that. And very much so when people see that artwork, that's the first thing that they actually comment on nine times out of 10. They don't even bring up the Kitab party, though most more often than not, people will just completely ignore that. Right. When frankly, actually, you know, I think that the Kitab party people probably murdered a lot more people, I think. Right. Than, 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 the, than those fucking Afrikaners. Um, but, you know, that was that was supposed to be the whole point of it, you know, it's, right. and, and not only that, too, but it's also supposed to show going back to that clash yeah and that image in many ways represents the inner struggle that i have and continue to have there are i mean being being mixed is not just something that you uh 
oh, okay, you know, I just wake up and yeah, you know, it's like, this is what I am and I'm just going to be okay. Right. And I'm going to, no, it's, it's a process that you carry with yourself for the rest of your life. And right. I feel that sometimes I, you know, and I could be wrong, but I feel as a mixed person that getting to know and understand myself has been, has taken me so much longer than yeah. I possibly thought that it would. Um, and then you mix that in too with, you know, oh, I, I mean, I remember, fuck, I remember like a decade ago, I would have these moments where I wish that I was just Arab. I used to yeah. have these moments all the time where I'd hate myself for, you know, not being full. But, yeah. you know, to, to quote one of my favorite authors and poets, Khalil Gibran, he taught me, you can't live half a life. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you know, people will ask, you know, of course, oh, you know, what are you? And I'll tell them, you know, when people ask me what I am, I will always say that I'm Arab first. Because at this point in my life, that is what I feel closer to. Yeah. That that side of me makes the most sense. And frankly, that's where I feel the most comfortable. And a lot of it goes back to my first time being in Lebanon. My time in Lebanon compared to my time in the States is unmatched. In Lebanon, people walk up to me and they will speak Arabic and French first. They will not talk to me in English first, immediately, without thinking twice about it. Versus here in America, they'll just call me white, just right from the get. Yeah, ignore, ignore all that shit. And then when I try and explain what I am, because I don't fall into a stereotype of being Muslim, having a name like Muhammad, wearing a Galabaya and a Kufi. People just act like it doesn't exist. It's it's very strange. Um, And not to mention too, you know, my last name, Shami, is, fuck, it's like over 2,000 years old, my last name. Yeah. Yeah. It's it and what it what it translates to is Shami is derives of the Sham, which is that's what that's the Arabic name for Damascus. Mm-hmm. This is another, you know, um, and I've even had this conversation, too, with other Lebanese people where they'll be like, oh, you're Lebanese, but your name is Shami. And it's like, you know, I'm all about being proud about being Lebanese. But at the end of the day we have a lot more in common with the Syrians than, you know, than, sure. than, you know, than what we might be told or what we might think, you know, the only diff, the thing, what made Lebanon separate from Syria, specifically two groups, the Maronites, and then this group of Muslims called the Druze. And they were the ones who decided to go into the mountains and, uh, you know, set this up for themselves. So, yeah. I understand, yeah, the the Lebanon for Lebanese artwork is, you know, this is something I think a lot of people maybe outside of power electronics or industrial, I I guess inside of, outside of art, and who kind of see this sort of thing as just like music entertainment, don't really get that these images can be used. I think images in general can be used in so many ways beyond their face value and, and always are in art. I mean, it's like there are certain images that you know, for for good reason, have associations with them that don't allow this. But for example, you know, if you if someone puts a um, 
a, a crucifix on their album cover or, or use it in a piece of work of art, the 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 reaction isn't, oh, you must be Christian. Like, yeah. that's why, that's the only reason you're using this. Like, oh, you're mm -hmm. using a cross because you're Christian. And then the answer isn't always necessarily also, oh, so you're not Christian, so you're using it because you're anti-Christian. Exactly. There's a million, a million, million, million other reasons and meanings for using any powerful symbol in art. Mm -hmm. And beyond the face value of what that has in our society. So I think, unfortunately, with certain... Like I said, I, I totally understand why certain symbols have such a negative... That's such a taboo around their use whatsoever, for good reason, that they... A lot of times people don't really ask questions or don't really... aren't really open to that fact yeah, of interpretation. To they jump to fear, generally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think... I think that's it's, it's it's unfair to the artist. It's it it is it is unfortunate when artists have to spell out their intentions, but you know, it's perhaps necessary sometimes. And um, absolutely, know. yeah. So yeah, um, you know, and to, I guess to touch upon it more, you know, Lebanon for Lebanese, and people say that you know. Oh, that's that's too nationalistic, or this and that. But you know, Lebanon is not like America. Lebanon is not right. like um, France. It's not like Britain. Right. Right. Being being proud of being from Lebanon and wanting Lebanon for the Lebanese. And when I say the Lebanese, I mean them all. I don't speak about right. just the Maronites. No. And this is what really annoys me the most is that a lot of people want to talk about this stuff and yet they can't even name like five religious groups in Lebanon. You know, right. it's like the, the Lebanon for Lebanese. I speak for the Sunni, the Shia, you know, even the Shia that, you know, the majority of them all ride with Hezbollah, but there's a, a big bunch that are not into what they're doing, that realize what they're doing yeah. is wrong. You know, so for the yeah. Sunnis, the Shia, the Druze, there's even, uh, you know, there's Orthodox Christians. There's a big, I think there's still a fairly big Armenian group in there, too, yeah. as well. That have actually, they've gotten along with the Lebanese great, lived there for many years, too. So, yeah. you know, the country itself has had so many hands in it over the years. I mean... When the French came in after World War II, or pardon me, no, World War I, pardon me, the Ottoman Empire mm -hmm. fell and they broke it up. Um, the French gave the Maronites an opportunity to have their own bit of land. Now, people in the West often think that Christianity I, I swear to God, I feel often that like people just have it in their minds like that Christianity came from Europe when actually, right. no, it, yeah. no, I've actually have walked where Jesus has walked and I've grown yeah. up going to masses where they still speak Christ's language, Aramaic, um, which is a very different experience than going to some uh, brand new evangelical yeah. or like very brand new 
type of uh, Catholic church. It's a, it's a whole different yeah. different vibe in it. Um, sure. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm starting to like spin spin out again. Um, no, no, no. That's it. That's, that's God, a it. It's just it's so. There's just so much of it. But the point that I'm making is is that. You know, there's a track on that album too called Damascus in Flames. It's not about me hating Syrians. It's about me hating the current regime. Okay. I I mean like I I have a big issue with Bashar Assad and the rest of the Assad family. Because right. of their family, they sent soldiers into the country at the end of the civil war to keep peace. But keep peace meant have a military presence. And part of that military right. presence was them taking my family's house in the mountains and trashing it. You right. sons of bitches destroyed that place. They took the toilets yeah. like they're fucking yeah. assholes. And yeah. I feel that my anger over that is justified. I sure. walked in that house. I walked amongst all the broken glass and the empty cartons of Lucky Strikes and all that crap. And yeah. I asked my father, is there any way that this could ever be fixed and my father told me that basically because of the financial situation with my family and the fact that where where it is in the mountains it's actually I want to say it might be close to where um, either my grandfather or my grandmother grew up in those mm -hmm. places you want to talk about a small town when I drove through my grandmother's town, my father said, hey, Mac, you need to pay attention because before you know it, we're going to be out of it. And I think we drove by like three buildings. And then my dad said, OK, we're now in the next village. Yeah, it was that tiny. And so basically my family is now stuck with this empty house that's just, sit, that's just sitting up there and you can't do anything with it. All because the Syrian army came through and thought they could take what's theirs. Right. You know, and so... Yeah. Like I said, too, it's like it's just silly when some people might say that, oh, that I hate all Syrians. It's my wife is Lebanese Syrian, you know, right. so all of that is just nonsense. Um, but let's see here. Um, so, yeah, you know, the the Lebanon for Lebanese at the at the the epitome of what it was supposed to be was just supposed to be. My grand power electronics industrial album you know i yeah. wanted it to be reflective of the culture and for the culture you know like west side gun yeah. always likes to say he always likes yeah. to say he does stuff for the culture etc etc yeah. that's what that yeah. was that's what it was yeah. it's not a political statement um right it's supposed to be something much more deeper and much more introspective um right you know like i said it's it's supposed to be about this, the internal conflict of, of myself being mixed. It's not about yeah. me running around like, you know what I mean? Making stupid hand motions and wearing the same outfits as some fucking people. It's just silly. It's just yeah. silly. No, I, I, I understand. I understand that usage and I, I also understand why it's, you know, provocative to people, but I think that's. I think I I, th I think it's a it's a false reading of your project of the of the of the intentions. I also think you know you were, you were doing it in some way to be provocative. You knew this would be. It's power electronics. Make a strong. Yeah, exactly. It's, power electronics. exactly. it's industrial. All the OGs exactly. always did that. 
That's what they did. I was yeah. just following exactly. them. And, you know, exactly. if someone wants to run up and say that that Mike Dando is some fascist racist, that is just the most ignorant, obnoxious thing yeah. ever. Especially after meeting right. with that man and taking yeah. the time to discuss the album, too, with him. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, what you... Some people you just never will be able to convince or change, you know. Right. Some people don't aren't really interested um, in the in conversation. The facts, but yeah, and and I think what what needs to just really be emphasized in this moment is that, and this is why we're doing this, is because it's just about reclaiming the narrative. Yeah. You know, like I, sure. I never I never thought in my life that. I would be having, I would be reading about, say, white people who've never been to the Middle East, say what I am and what this project is and what's good with everything. I mean, right. like, I never thought that some people would have the gall to ever talk like that, but I guess even in the day and age of Donald Trump, anything's possible from all sides. Yeah. To people, yeah. They, they can just say whatever they want and speak on anything and have it be truth even though they've never been, let alone sp spoke or, or talked with someone who's Lebanese, you know? And I, you know, and this is reminding me, I really want to take the time to remember that, to, to mention this. There was a gentleman named Khalil Jabara, and this story has been overlooked. No one ever talked about it, but for quite a few Kufar performances, um, we would play the sample talking about this poor guy who was, um, he was a Lebanese Maronite, just like, just like me. And his family lived, I believe, in St. Louis. And they lived next to this white guy who hated them because they were Arab. He mm -hmm. had a problem with them. He would call them Muslim, say all these, you know, Islamophobic shit. And even though they would try and explain and say, hey, like, we're, we're not like that, he didn't listen. And of course, the, you know, in very typical fashion, the family, they tried to call the police and the police ignored them, thinking, oh, what's what's the worst thing this guy's going to do? This guy ran over Khalil Jabara's mother and the cops still didn't do anything about it. Still didn't do anything about it. And then one day, he walked up to the house with a gun, and Khalil Jabara stepped out, and he shot, and he killed him. And then the cops finally did their fucking job and arrested that stupid son of a bitch. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And we used to, I used to play during, uh, during the, the Kufar set, I think from 20... Is right basically right around the time that Sam joined from, I want to mm. say, 2015 up until the dreaded uh, Varnish 2 uh, set. That's like, that's where we played it for. We played that for about two or three years, but I think that, inshallah, for future live performances, it needs to come back. I mean, like, I just yeah. think that this man's story is just is, is incredibly sad and. It could happen to me. This shit can right. happen to me. I've had people be like that with me before. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, like, a- anti-Arab sentiment is at an all-time high. I, 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 it's I always really... been like, I mean, it's always been like that ever since 9-11. It's always, yeah. it's always kind of, yeah, it's just, it's always been like that. I'll never forget, I think this was two or three days after 9-11, this kid next to me said, we should just, you know, we should just bomb all these stupid fucking people. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I know. And I said, I just looked at him and I just said, no, because I didn't know <laughs> what to say. I mean, at the time, it's like, well, I was so young, like what, you know, I didn't know what to say, but I just remember telling that kid no. But, yeah. you know, that's just something that has just gone on forever and ever and ever with that type yeah. of shit. Um, For sure. And I feel like, too, that sometimes more often than not, people like to try and use the use the Christian edge like that. I have something in common or I have ties to say white America with with my faith when, right. like I mentioned earlier, it couldn't be further from the truth. I'm at a point right. where, like I said, if you didn't go to mass, um, you know, hearing Aramaic or even for me at the minimum, because peace to all peace to all the Eastern uh, Catholics, Eastern Christians worldwide. If you weren't breaking the hard boiled eggs at Easter time, it's like, man, yeah. it's like we're just it's like, no, we're not really the same. It's like, no, we're not the yeah. same at all, you know. Yeah. And so it, people just tend to forget that. People tend to sometimes think that Christianity are these big oppressors when actually the part of Lebanon starting was because the because the main group of Christians wanted to escape persecution. And then not only right. that, but the same group of Christians wanted to bring on the Druze who are basically seen as Kufar from all of the other Muslim groups. I guess I could say to wrap it up real quick is that Lebanon was formed by two groups that were actually oppressed. And then these two right. groups were, even though they are vastly different, vastly different, yeah. they actually managed to get along for a brief period in the early 1800s and helped to start to form and have the layout for, you know, for greater Syria and what eventually would become Lebanon. Yeah. So, so what are some of the other elements of Kufar that you feel are being, you know, egregiously, you know, misunderstood and, and, you know, I think that, I mean, the most, the most misunderstood stuff for sure, uh, just goes back to me using, uh, the civil war imagery stuff. I think yeah. that, I think that gets skewed a lot because, because in the West, there is this narrative all the time of the good guys versus the bad guys, the Axis right. and the allies. And then to make things worse, you have bullshit like Marvel, where once again, there's the good guys and the bad guys. When the situation yeah. in Lebanon, there's never been any good guys. There's no good guys, right. especially in the Civil War. Yeah. Everyone was awful. Everyone was awful. Yeah. What would you like people to understand when they're, when they're looking at your work, when they're listening to it, when they're seeing these images? What would the, you like the, they need to understand, that. and this goes back to what you had mentioned, in, or, or you know, part of me I had mentioned earlier about the Kendrick Lamar, you know, um, example. My my people are, are tribal, you know, 
Like, that's just who and what we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we side with stuff, like, from the get that we may not know. Because right. when I was growing, you know, when I was first, like, really starting to understand Lebanon and this and that, I had a very biased view on things. I'll be honest. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I want to think that my people are the best, you know, that yeah. they, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that no, they're just as bad. It's like going back to that first conversation that we had. Don't meet your heroes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it ends yeah. up being a fucking disaster, you know? Yeah. And uh, in, in many ways, you know, the, the Lebanese have, have, have actually just, they, they've disappointed me time and time again, those living there and those in power and those that vote for them. When I, I'm right. not talking about the diaspora across America or the diaspora in Africa, South America, mm. Australia, etc. You know, I'm just talking about my disappointment with the, you know, the ones there. And yeah. people just, they, they, they don't understand just how complex and difficult all of this is. And they just think I mean, sadly, you know, the West is it just likes to try and simplify shit all the time. They right. like to do that. They always the what in the West, they always try to make things a black and white issue when right. more often than not, it's it, things are always gray. Things are always right. gray. Of course. So, I mean, I'm not obviously going to say that everything is, but, you know, stuff when it comes to politics and constructions of culture identity governments etc tribes all those things they are much deeper than just they're good they're bad you know it it goes it goes deeper than that and I think that part of that issue is the uh, the thing the fact that Arabs are passionate people they're passionate people they're very 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 passionate people I've always said we love like You're no other. Oh, dog, we love like no other. And when we hate someone, man, we hate like no other. It's just yeah. it's inescapable. I mean, you know, there's a there's a there's a part in the Bible, Psalm 109, and this part of the Bible is often overlooked by the West because they think that like it's unbecoming of mm-hmm. you know of what. Catholicism, you know, Christianity is. And granted, this takes place in the Old Testament, but in the Psalm 109, it's basically David, and it's David imploring God to harm and destroy those that are speaking ill of him. Yeah. And it is the way he's talking, like I'll never forget talk like reading this psalm for the first time. Yeah. And he's on some you know, I pray, you know, that a plague descends on their families. I pray yeah. that locusts come and eat their fields, that the soil dries up. They can't, you know what I mean? Just like going and going and going yeah. and going. And I'm reading this and I'm just like, oh, this is just like a Middle Eastern guy who's just like, he's just like regularly upset. Like he's not like furious. <laughs> he's just like, this is like, this is like, this is just like regular upset. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're passionate people. We're going to give it our all. So, like I said, it's like when we love, it's like no other. That's why I I cannot, I I appreciate, uh, you know, Gibran 
the writings of Gibran. And, so, and that's also, too, why I put that stuff in Kufar, too. Which, right. you know, that, I feel, harkens back to the inspiration from that I have from Mike Dando and um, right. Condom. Um, the, um, God, why am I blanking on it? I can't believe I'm forgetting it, but it is without a doubt the most crucial track. It's off of the sermons. I think it's just called Sermon. It's mm. basically a very, very, very positive track. To me, it's like the most inspirational set of lyrics I have really have read in my life. And mm. the beauty in it is that it applies. It, it, Mike Dando is so fucking brilliant. He left it open-ended so that it could be applied to everyone I mean yeah. it ends with saying you know here, let me see if I will this yeah where it says um, keep faith with yourself you have the right to be here right that to me it, I mean that's everything that is everything and that is in many ways that is the basis of what really Kufar is is that you have the right to be here you know yeah. I use all this Lebanese imagery because that is what I am, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to pull a Muslim gauze, you know? Because that would be strange, too, if I'm doing a, a, a Lebanese project and I'm just like, and I'm talking about Hezbollah or, you know, and this and that. That, that just feels weird. Very right. much how in the same way, you know, like I said, you may not hear certain rappers who they may not be in gangs but you right. won't see them necessarily maybe bring up others because of their family and a you know i mean their their familial affiliation right but but the point in the something not the point but i guess at the very end of kufar is that it's it's about being able to just that you have the right to exist and yeah. that no one has the right to tell you that you don't and that your right. stuff doesn't matter I always right. used to tell people all the time that, you know, just because um, it doesn't matter to you doesn't mean that that's the case with me, you know? Because right. sure. there's one thing that just that, that'll just like grind my gears into infinity when people will write stuff off and be like, oh, I don't care. Right. It's like, oh, well, actually, maybe like you should just a little bit because I've had that response before explaining what I am. Etc. I mean, man, I, I'll never forget. I've had so many people tell me, oh, I don't care what you are. Right. And it's like, I just feel like that's just a very, like, basic ignorant thing to state because it's on some, like, well, actually, you fucking should. Yeah. It's denying you your, yeah. your, right, your, your identity, yeah. your dignity. Existence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all going back to that condom sermon, it's like, I have the right to fucking be here as much as everyone else does. Right. Everyone else that managed to get this far and be able to walk and stand up. Yeah, we all do. So I just think that 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 apathy bullshit is just uh, that's the real fucking problem, because yeah. when you have that apathy, that's how you allow um, people to hijack Arabian people's narratives in this country. Yeah, because it's, it's, I mean, that's what's that's what's been happening, you know, yeah. so another another release that that. Um... You know, has always caused controversy is the "My Name Is My Name" tape, right? Yeah, yes, yes, so yes, yes. Because so, "My Name Is My Name" dropped 
on no rent. Shout out to Jason Krimer, the OG. Shout out to no rent forever. Yep. And um, a time when, you know, people, a lot of, you know, I wasn't just the only person, you know, having a cancellation attempt or smear campaign led on. So lots of people were trying to save their asses and apologize, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I mean, like, my God, it's like, I had just been so taken aback by how many people had just straight up denied me and said that, oh, he's just some white guy. Oh, he's some white guy. He doesn't right. look Arab, you know, just more of that shit. And so instead of an apology, me and my boy decided to drop that album on some yeah. what's really good. Like, yeah. like, like what's what's really up with me and my bandmate. And right. my name is my name is probably... We always used to make the joke and say, oh, Mac, you finally made your political album. Yeah. All the time, because <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I like street politics. Yeah. I don't like fucking Republicans. I don't like fucking Democrats. I like street politics. Yeah. I feel like it's a lot more simple. Yeah. And quite frankly, street politics is much more in line with tribal politics. Right. It's something that just makes more sense to me, makes me feel more comfortable being around. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people get real shook on that too, so I like it even more. Anywho, we dropped My Name Is My Name, and obviously with the title, because that's what the album was trying to regain, mm-hmm. it was trying to take that back. And the album itself is just, I. the album basically talks about the entire attempt the entire attempt to try and destroy and ruin me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not only me, but my, you know, my bandmate, mm-hmm. people got so nasty in this. Someone tried to reach out to my mother. Wow. Someone tried to reach out to my father. Wow. And that album was me making it very, 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 very clear that, um, that me and my boy, we aren't some fucking power electronics computer dorks. Right. No. We're real people who have been through real things. And the album is basically just a big fuck you to everyone that, you know, wants to... How do I put this? How do I put this? It's just a fuck you to people that want to deny my existence and then act like they have actually experienced or know more about the plights of their own people than I have. Yeah. When in reality, I have actually met very few people that have actually have been through the been through the plights of their own people like I have right. with evacuation and being in a refugee camp for a day. Yeah. Um, and so I made it very clear on that album, um, basically how things can be handled. Right. I don't like being that guy. I don't. I like to be a nice guy. And same thing with Sam. We like to laugh. We like the good times. Our lives are, 
me and my boy, we carry so much fucking pain that we just would rather laugh about it than be mad about stuff. Yeah. But that album, the, that time really pushed us and it, it was on some, we just didn't have a choice. Yeah. We didn't have a choice. So, you know, we dropped it. Um, album sold out. I probably need to repress it at some point. Yeah. Um, but f- with some remaining leftover copies, uh, Sam and I decided to put together a very special edition of My Name is My Name. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only 15 copies. Mm-hmm. And the special edition, I decided to bring out um, a more some of the more ugly side of things um, that had happened um, during the album and after. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I need to make very, very, very clear because I've it's been brought to my attention that some people are trying to, you know, once again, try and take the narrative and, you know, make it their own inside that document or inside the the envelope of the special edition i decided to include um copies of the um false restraining order that had been thrown at me mm-hmm. now granted this restraining order was given to me after i didn't want to see that person anymore mm-hmm. after i decided to end things because they were being toxic and, you know, playing my identity and actually using my, my appearance against me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fucked. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to just get away and they didn't want it that way. I, I, they wanted to get the last word in on it. And so I decided to leave all that stuff in there. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of what the paper, what, what they put in the, in the paperwork itself. But the fact of the matter is this. The court case was thrown out. Yeah. They lost in court. They tried to stop me, and instead they lost. Yeah. Plain and simple. So the point that I'm making all the paperwork that's been included is already public knowledge because in America, any sort of legal, any kind of court document, it's saved and it's recorded forever. And anyone and everyone has access to it. Mm -hmm. So all I did was just make that a little bit easier for some people. Now, Some people are so dumb that they want to try and use what has already been disproven against me, which I just think is like funny and comical. Not to mention, these are like, I feel these are the same people who scream abolish prison, but oh, for this guy, let's use court paperwork against him. (laughs) It's really laughable, that stuff. So I just wanted to set the record straight on that paperwork in there because I wanted I want them to see how fucking ugly and awful it was. Yeah. You know, because I feel that 
I, I feel like that the actual paperwork reflects the pain of the truth of that whole experience. Yeah. So, so, so that's why I left that paperwork in there. Yeah. Plain and simple. And the fact was I was found innocent yeah. and they, the judge decreed that neither of us were to be speaking yeah. or be in contact. Right. And sadly that didn't stop them for still trying to get at me. Right. And they ended up enlisting the help of some dorky fucking DJ. And, uh, you know, yeah, he, yeah they did a big write up and eventually, uh, uh, Sam and I had a conversation with them face to face and we squashed stuff in a very polite, mannerly, gentlemanly type of way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Made it very clear about who we are. Right. But I will say this though, the person who, um, who did this write up, I will never forget. He did actually tell me, cause I asked him, I said, why, like, why would you, why would you not want to ask? I said, do you feel that an Arab man's word is less than that of someone else? And this guy actually said, yes, oh. <laughs> never forget that. <laughs> Don't forget that right then and there. Yeah, he said that in the mission. Uh huh. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I'll never forget that. I know, right? That's a trip hearing that from some guy from some, uh, I want to say, you know, he's Indian. I don't know exactly what the uh, background, you know, I mean, tribe, yeah. et cetera, you know, but yeah, that was, that was a real trip. That was a real trip hearing that. Yeah. You know? And so. That's what this, that's what that album, my name is my name is just all about. It's all about all that madness yeah. on the, all the, all the anger and everything, you know, that, that came with trying to, trying to do this and set this straight. Yeah. I never thought in my life that my ethnicity would be up for debate right. ever in my life. Um, you know, and so one thing too, that I do want to make clear also about the, um, my name is my name special edition. Because of course, you know, some people are trying to just, oh, look at the court documents. But what they ignore though, is I took, when I had ended things with said individual, I took all the text messages that they were sending me on that day when I ended things. And that's what covers the entire cover uh -huh. of the album. Right. And I feel that that helps reveal the crazy yeah, because I mean, fuck, they said that I used them so I could feel more brown. Wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I quite frankly think that, um, simply me being evacuated, um, that's enough. Like yeah. fuck, fuck skin tone, man. Fuck a skin tone, dude. It's about the life experiences, dude. I've been through it with that shit, man. Yeah, like the, well, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. That's unfortunate it's just to such a, deal with, or, you know, even that you're, you're listening to just, it's just a bizarre into, into question or being challenged or that people outside of, you know, the context even think they have the right to speak on. I think that's, that's the biggest problem that people don't understand anything about it and, or about you, uh, feel they have the right to. Uh, judge you on it. I mean, of course, everyone has the right to judge and say what they want, but I think it's, uh, yeah, 
it's it's just ignorance. People like that shouldn't be really listened to. No, absolutely not. And not only that, but now actually this is great because then this actually opens up. Um, because there's nothing else really to say about my name is my name, but this does actually tie into another Kufar release, Minority Report. Mm -hmm. And the opening track, which I'm not going to say. Yeah. Because it's, it's a really, really, really bad word. Yeah. And I know that some people take issue with me using um, Middle Eastern or Arabian slurs in my art, but right. it's just too bad. Yeah. It's just too bad. You know, there's a, I'm blanking. There's a, is the, is the comedian named Keith Mooney? I think I want to say I'm blanking on this comedian. I think it's something Mooney. Yeah. And Sam was explaining to me that it was during a, a standup of his and he drops a hard R right. Yeah. In the, in, in his standup. Yeah. And the crowd all goes, <gasps> and Mooney's response is, I don't know why, like, you guys are, like, tripping out. Y'all invented it. Yeah. And so I remember hearing that from Sam, and so that is how and why I've decided to use Arabian slurs in my work. Right. Is because they existed. Yeah. Someone, you know, I mean, someone hated us so much that they decided to take the time to invent a word or a phrase to describe us. Right. And that is what, that is a big part of Kufar, is putting yeah. that out there. Right. I mean, I even put that in the, my name is my name. I list those words and I, and I wrote, you need to know that these words are mine and not yours. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wrote too, I think, um, I hope that they make you feel as uncomfortable as they have made me feel as uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, going, that's on the, that's on that. My name is my name, but I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but going back to the um, minority report though, at the very beginning, I found a fantastic sample where this guy is asking, you know, what is the color of an Arab? Hmm. What's, what's the color of an Arab? And he proceeds to say, you know, cause if we're going to start talking about color, then it all goes back to white supremacy. Right. So the point that I'm making is, I guess with all of this, is that those that want to just put me in a category or say that, oh, you have light skin privilege, this and that, that's just you falling into the beliefs of white supremacy. Sure. And being, and being the same shit that you're preaching against, straight up. It's the same type of hypocrisy. And um, I don't think that that's something that's going to go away. This struggle is going to go away, you know? Sure. Um, because, you know, when you're mixed, you will forever hear, oh, you don't look this. Right. Oh, you don't look like that. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just an ongoing battle and... I feel that I feel that I can hope and only pray that in due time that when people say that hopefully that at some point, you know, when they say that, that there will be consequences. Sure. Very much how so if say like you tell someone a racial slur, 
and they stand up and they knock, you know what I mean? They knock you out over it. You know, I have a feeling that that's going to, that should be, that should be the new standard for mixed people or sure. even Middle Eastern people. Anyone that doesn't fit in the stereotype, that needs to be the new standard, period. Right. If someone says that you don't right. look like something, I think you need to prove what you are. It's the same thing like someone calling out on, calling you out on what you rep, you know? Right. If you can't rep what you claim, I don't know what to tell you, you know? And so I feel that when people say these things now, there will be consequences. There are, and there should be. There should yeah. be. It's not cool. It's just, it's not cool at all to be like, oh, you don't look like what I used to watch, you know, on, um, in the cartoons, right. you know, Fuck. Like even old, like Looney Tunes. Right. It's like, oh, I thought you looked like that. It's like, no, yeah, no, it's yeah. not the reality of things. Of you know, I think that one thing that I guess I do need to put out there is that the project Kufar is, you know, it is fearless in a way that many, many, many Arab immigrants or Arab Americans would never be like. Mm -hmm. A lot of Arabian immigrants, um, especially ones like myself, oftentimes they'll keep to themselves. Right. I now understand why right. so many of them, when they come here, they stay within their communities and they don't go out. Right. They don't go out. I understand now why my father changed his first name right. on some heavy shit. Yeah. I understand, for example, why my grandmother-in-law at certain jobs kept quiet right. about her background for fear of losing her job. Right. Simply from just just trying to find a place to live right you know nicole's you know my my wife's family's story is incredible yeah they have escaped you know genocide and escaped murder you know like yeah. it's it, it's a, it's a very 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 incredible powerful story and it's so sad that it's just so sad that it's like we feel like we're running all the time yeah i feel like a lot of time middle eastern people they're just running and it sucks it's like you have to run away from home. You know, you're told to not take on people head on right. at all because of what you are and what the, where that can put you and, what, you know, et cetera, what can happen. Right. And Kufar is, is uh, just takes a very defiant stance in that. Yeah. On some, uh, I feel like a, like it's like a classic, like, tough guy or beat down hardcore line where it's on some like where do you where do you go where you have nowhere left to run yeah where do you go where you, there's no one left to hide yeah period man yeah and uh the running days are done yeah that's actually and that's that is all of this too right here this conversation this is this isn't excuses right i haven't made a single excuse i've had an explanation yeah for everything yeah and I just feel that that the time has come for just this shit to stop. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I've said before, too, you know, this project just it doesn't just touch on Lebanese 
stuff as well, you know, because I just, I have to write from my own point of view to keep it real, to keep it true, you know, but it's moments when like, for example, um, I had a young Palestinian kid, um, reach out to me through Instagram, brand new to everything, you know, Mm -hmm. green as a leaf. And I'll never forget him telling me that, um, I love your music so much. It, it's, it's music like how that represents how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that, for Kufar, I mean, dude, that's everything. Yeah. Like, fuck the fame, fuck yeah. the infamy, and fuck the money with Kufar, dude. Yeah. Like, to, to be able to have that impact on a kid in a positive way way yeah everything i could ask for man yeah because i know what that's like yeah i know what that's like man being a being a young kid and fuck you know i I used to say all the time it's like uh i'd be in a room everyone's like oh you're a white guy and you put me in the room with all of them when i was young and i it's not like we got along our personalities are very different the way we talk the way we look i mean I have some hard-ass eyebrows and a mean-ass stare if I really fucking do it. I have a very expressive face compared to a lot of people, you know? I guess I need some Botox to chill myself out a bit. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's... You know, Kufar is, 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 is in many ways, you know, even though it is not Islamic, it is a jihad. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. Yeah. It is. It's one that... I'm going to forever carry yeah. because I already know um, going out on the road in the future, et cetera, et cetera. I know I'm going to hear these things. Right. And to this day, I'm probably going to forever hear stupid racist stuff right. um, from, from, you know, from all sorts of fucking idiots yeah. in all scenes of music. Right. It won't just be in one. Right. It won't just be in one. Right. No, it never will be. I think when you're doing difficult art and redoing difficult work there's always gonna be a portion of people who don't understand it and from those will be a maybe a portion that fears it and and lashes out and tries to you know but those people don't really matter and they shouldn't be given power yeah i mean you know my my wife is always she's she's the best you know she was telling me you know that that the great art is always the most challenging because it demands you know it demands you to think or learn right you know yeah i feel like especially the kufar stuff is very it's it, 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 you know sometimes demanding necessarily may not be the best some of my artwork might ask but i often feel that my approach is a little bit more heavy-handed um because um because i'm tired of the bullshit yeah tired of the bullshit you know i have the right to be here right so just as you do anyone else yep um and so and this is actually why too as time has gone on kufar i've used less less and less and less of the civil war stuff right because it's like what's the use explaining right like what's the like like it's uh, you know and that's why the project took a more personal 
route. Right. And now my latest, you know, album is a it's pro Palestinian. Yeah. Minority Report Two is nothing but pro Palestine poems. Right. You know? So that's why I laugh when people are like, he's a fascist. And it's like, well, I currently have the Kitab party, who I think is great, and they're standing up against fascism, you know? And then, right. you know, it's like, it's that. And then the just, I feel like, I feel like, you know, how do I put this fuck? I just feel like, like this, like, like, I don't want to say like, I feel like the fascists are coming for me. You know what I mean? But it's like, I feel right. like, how do I put it? It's just, I feel like I experienced my own forms of it because yeah. they're like, no, it needs to be like A, B and C or, or actually no, pardon me. That's what it was. Is that, you know, I'm being pro-Palestinian and standing up to the fascism that I see in Israel too right. with that album, Yeah, you know? So that's where I'm just kind of like, just like very confused about all that type of stuff. You know, I mean, I have Arab, A-R-A-B tattooed in my hairline. And the fact of the matter is that word and fascism, it, it, it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Sure. If someone wants to say that a king is a fascist, fine, fine, fine. Go ahead and say that. But never, ever like what, like what we have seen in the history of Europe with the rise of fascism mm -hmm. across the board. I'm not just going to say Germany. I'm going to say across the board because yeah. it is. There were so many different countries, yeah. you know, that had that. You know, you don't see that in the Middle East. Not right. once. Not once. Not once. It's either kings or, or it's pretty much basically kings just about or, you know, Lebanon. They had their attempt at democracy and it fell apart. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know. It's, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's going to be an ongoing battle, but I, I think that, you know, this is that doing this with you, Oscar, and I really thank you again for having me come on board sure. and be able to talk about these things sure. once and for all, um, because I feel like it, when you try and you write something on the internet, like you do an explanation, right. People cherry pick, people screen, right. uh, screen recap, and then they just make fun. Right. And in this instance where I'm talking uh, with you, Oscar, about this stuff, um, they can't take my narrative away from me right. in this instance. Right. They can't. Right. They can't take it. They can't twist this shit around. Right. And this is this is what I'm hoping. Yeah. Because, you know. This isn't just about, like I said before, this isn't just about me at the end of the day. This is about anyone else that is in a similar position like me that wants to try and do, uh, you know, challenging, interesting art, you know? Yeah. I, I believe in art. I don't agree with everything. I mean, like, I would never be the one to go up and say, like, shatter the piss Christ piece of art, for example, 
Do you know about that one, Oscar? Yeah, yeah, yes. Like, I, I would never, I would never. Do I agree with it? No, I think it's fucking stupid. But yeah. also, I have certain biases. But I respect the right for them to do it. Right. And that's fine. Right. Particularly, and especially, if it's coming from someone who say, oh, you know, doesn't have the same sort of cultural attachment. Right. You know? I say, like, I would. Right. And so I think that people sometimes, they just, they have a hard time just accepting that, you yeah, know? Definitely. But it's good that yeah. you were able to set it straight. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, thank you so much, Habibi. You know, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, I was going to say, do you have any, do you have any questions for me or... No, I, I don't have any questions about what you do. I've I I understand what you do, and I I I respect it, and I appreciate your honesty and your you know sincerity with things, and I you know got your back, and I also respect your willingness to talk about it directly. You know. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think there's something just... about that. I mean, th I do think there's a lot of people who really want to hold on to the fact that they will never talk about things directly because maybe I don't think they have anything to actually say about it. But I think your willingness to also uh, address things directly is, uh, yeah, it's admirable as well. So, Thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Well, cool. Is there really anything else you want to add? I guess the point that I will make about evacuation, though, is that... I got evacuated two years later, my dad and I, I spent easily one of my favorite Christmases of all time in Lebanon two years later. Mm. And I still go back. Yeah. I'm not afraid to go. Good. I'm not afraid to leave the, the country in a funny manner. Yeah. My father has left Lebanon. I think I will never forget when he was like, Mac, this is the fourth time. It was like the third or fourth time I have to leave this country in a screwy manner and can't oh. just yeah. yeah, get on a plane and go home. Yeah, man. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's, the shit's real. For sure. You know? yeah. shit's real. So. Shit's real in a lot of ways that people don't, don't consider. And, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of really self-centered people who, you know, think they're empathetic or, or, or political, but they're very self-centered and, and and non-empathetic and have a very narrow understanding of what humans go through. And that's, uh, that's a symptom of our times. And yeah, sorry. You have to feel the brunt of that. No, I mean, Hey, help me make all this great art, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. At the end well, of it all, you know, Hey, give me, give me help and inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure.